Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, Certified Life and Relationship Coach, and Happily Divorced Mom, who helps women decide if they should stay in or leave their marriages, and then guides them through the process one step at a time. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Is that old-fashioned? Does that totally date me? (laughs) We don't tune into podcasts, do we? Oh my God, I'm old. Anyway, however you got here... Thank you for being here. I am grateful you're spending a little bit of time with me this week. Uh, Just a few quick things. I know everyone's super busy with plans for the summer, and I am too, but I do have a few one-on-one coaching spots left in both my three-month programs and in Rooted, my five-week coaching experience designed for you to find your strength, build your confidence, and step into your power. Uh, Head on over to my website, kateanthony.com, and click on the tab that says you and me for more info. Uh, And by the way, if you're one of those people who thinks, gosh, that would be great, maybe someday, or thinks that I'm not talking to you when I talk about my programs, I am. I am talking exactly to you. It's a weird thing that I totally relate to when we listen to people in cyberland and assume that working with them is out of reach or they're just not talking to us when they say they want to work with people. Like, I'm literally talking to you. If you are listening right now, I want you to stop for a second and hear me. I'm talking to you. So if you've had that nagging thought, act on it. And if you don't see what you're looking for on my website, shoot me an email and ask for it. I will probably create it for you because I want to. I want to provide the best possible service I can to my followers, my listeners, my clients. And often the best ideas come from you. So don't be shy. Reach out. Say hello. Tell me your story and tell me what you need from me. I reply to all of my emails, and I would happily welcome your feedback. You can find a contact me form on my website as well. Okay, so on to today's episode. If you've watched a boatload of TED Talks and Super Soul Sunday episodes, read a ton of self-help books, followed a bunch of inspirational coaches on Instagram, and listened to their podcast after podcast after podcast, hello, (laughs) but you're still feeling like something's missing and the dots just aren't connecting... My guest, Deb Cooperman, wants you to know that there is magic to be found when you pick up a pen and write. As Deb says, it really is as simple and as complex as that. Simple because it's just pen to page. Complicated because it requires that you dig into your experience and face yourself on the page in all your messy, unbridled, fabulous humanity to put all the pieces together. And that's what Deb does. She has been teaching workshops that help women use writing to connect to their powerful inner superhero for over 15 years. She's also happily divorced from her first husband, who she now considers a dear friend, and she credits her writing practice for helping her get through the tough parts of her divorce and remaking her life in the aftermath. Deb also happens to be a very good friend of mine, and I asked her to join me on the podcast to talk about what she calls her blended, extended, upended family, which is basically my favorite thing ever. (laughs) When Deb met her ex-husband, he had a one-year-old son, 
And in this episode, she talks about the experience of co-parenting as a stepmom and how her relationship with her ex, her stepson, and his mom evolved over the course of their marriage and beyond. And I think it is a wonderful example of what's possible. So without further ado, here is my dear friend, Deb Cooperman. Welcome, Deb. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on to talk about your really unique divorce experience. Happy to do it. As I said in the intro, Deb is a really, really close friend of mine. She's a fantastic coach and she's got this great story that I will let her tell. So Deb, tell us, tell us the background of your relationship with your now ex-husband. When we met, he had um, recently separated. We had mutual friends and we met in a couple of situations and I thought he was really interesting, but I heard that he had just separated and had a baby. And I thought, oh man, this guy's a mess. (laughs) He's very nice, but boy, stay away. (laughs) But then over time, I started to see him with these mutual friends in certain situations and just really started to like him a lot and thought he was really interesting. And we, you know, we went out and had dinner one time, just the two of us. And I thought, aren't I cool? I've got an older friend. I was thinking of myself because I was in my late 20s, and he had just turned 40, I think. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm so cool. You know, sort of everything that I had thought about, oh, how crazy this was to get involved with a guy who was, you know, recently separated and had a baby, um, flew out the window. We just got on great. We, we had lots of fun together. Just had a really similar outlook about life, I felt. And so after a while, in the early days, I felt like, this age difference didn't mean anything to me once we started to date. Within a couple of years, we were married. I don't even remember it being a decision. It was kind of like we were just, that was where we were going. At the time, what was the custody split with Charlie? It was limited at the time. He was still really young. So he spent most of his time with his mom. I think we had him one evening a week, but he didn't stay over. And then we had him two weekends a month. And then it started when he got a little bit older, it started to be more, but it was still during the week. We didn't have him overnight. When he went to school, we just didn't have the overnights during the week. They were just weekends. So, you know, logistically, I think we always put what what's going to be best for Charlie first so that he had, you know, the best uh, situation as mm-hmm. possible. I mean, yeah. I suppose given what you do, I I might want to just touch on the relationship with his first wife. Definitely. And and in the beginning, I think it was challenging for her. And I can totally understand that. I mean, she had just ended a marriage and she was working on a divorce and suddenly he moved very quickly with me. I think I was the second woman he went out with after his, and he went out with this other woman only a couple of dates and then it was me. And then the next thing you know, right. So mm-hmm. I think it was really hard on his first wife. And in the beginning it was, it was not good. It was very challenging and they had a lot of tough times. And as soon as I realized that he and I had something long-term, I thought this woman's going to be in my life for a really long time. So I've got to make space for her to have the feelings that she has, to be as supportive as possible to her, and to let her know that I've fallen in love with her kid. 
how did you do that? How did you have that? Because I think that's a really important place to sort of stop and dig in a little bit, right? Because it's true, right? There's natural, primal competitiveness that can occur between uh, mother and stepmother uh, in these situations, right? But I think it's incumbent on all of us to sort of open that door and say, okay, you know, Um, and I love the idea. I love the fact that you opened that door. How did that happen? I was home and the phone rang. She just needed to vent. Um, I'm not sure how she got my phone number because at that point, I think she was mostly talking to, to David and was very frustrated. And she knew that he was dating, but somehow she found my number. And my first thought was... So this is before you were living together, before you were before married? Before we were living together, we were seeing each other and it was pretty early in the relationship. Okay. I don't think I'd met Charlie yet. You know, immediately in that moment, as soon as I knew she was calling me, I thought, okay, this relationship is important to me. I didn't know at that point, I wasn't thinking I'm in it for the long haul, but I knew it was going to be something. It was something. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, I'm, I'm going to listen. She needs to vent and I'm not going to push back. I'm going to let her do her thing. And I'm just going to let her know that at that point, it was simply just to let her have her space and to say, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I wasn't in judgment or anything like that. I think Which I just, is extraordinary for especially a woman in her late twenties. I think in that moment, that was just the response. It, it is extraordinary. I mean, it really is right. It is extraordinary for a woman in her late twenties to understand that someone else has a process and to just hold space for that without taking it personally and without uh, reacting. Like that's quite extraordinary. To me, it just felt like the smartest thing to do in the moment, I guess. 100%. Totally was. Um, Do you feel comfortable saying how that conversation went for you? Like what? So she vented and then you said... I, you know, I I don't remember a whole lot. I just let... I remember how long it went on. It was a while. Mm. And I don't remember saying much other than just listening and like being as like non-confrontational, like sort of absorbing yeah. what was coming as much right. as possible yeah. and not being confrontational about it. And I think that that was the start of a relationship that became really actually a really good working relationship. I wouldn't say that we became friends yeah. um, during that period. I would say yeah. now, you know, however many millions of years later, you know, she and I are on Facebook, we're connected on Facebook, you know, it's yeah. just like, oh well, just for context, but how old is Charlie now? Charlie's 30. Yeah. Right. So this is just, just for our listeners, right. Just a little yeah. context about the fact that now right. this one-year-old is 30. So this yeah. is long, this is a long history. Yeah. So I think that what happened was it's what started to happen was when they were working out all the details of their divorce, they were still challenged together. And so when it came, what was interesting, when it came to scheduling Charlie, I would often be the one who would talk to her about scheduling. I was all about the logistics. Yes. I wouldn't get upset or triggered or whatever. I just was, okay, we're going to pick him up at, okay, you're going to, you meet this time and that time. It was just very calm logistic kind of things. And it's and women working together is what women working together. Right. Women working together. Yay, sisters. Boy, but, right? Um, I mean that was the early days. And then we had an opportunity, I guess Charlie was about 
seven, I want to say, my then husband had an opportunity through his company to take a position in Australia. And we really fought it like, oh God, you know, we're going to be so far from Charlie. We won't see Charlie. But the more we talked about it and the more we realized what we could do is that we could have him for part of the summer in a way that we never did in the American summer. So we wound up getting him for a longer period of time in the American summer than we used to, even though we didn't have every other week through his company, we made sure that we had a certain number of trips back to the United States. David would have a week in the States and he would be able to see him a good bunch of times during that week. And then I would go back and I would have time with him in the States. So we made sure that there were trips back and forth. So we didn't completely lose touch. It was before, you know, I'm, I'm ancient. So it was before we could FaceTime. It would have been a lot easier if we could have FaceTimed, but we would call him and have conversations. And I don't think it really impacted him as much as we thought it would. He was like, oh, okay. Right. And he thought it was really fun to come to Australia. And, you know, that was, that was good fun. Yeah, that was a tough one. And then we, we wound up coming back and we were both really, really excited about coming back and being closer to him. And after we were back about a year, we found out that David's wife and her, she had, had gotten married again and her husband were going to move and they were moving down near Washington, D.C. And I always like to say change begets change. And we had, while in Australia, really things had kind of shaken up for us in terms of what was possible in life. Mm. Because I think you, you go to a place that is so different from what you live and you get a totally different perspective about mm-hmm. the world and your place in it. And, and we started really dreaming differently about how we wanted our lives to look. Mm. And when we got back and we moved to the East coast and then we found out Charlie was moving to DC. I don't know. It sort of shifted things. It was like an earthquake in our marriage in terms of what we wanted, how we wanted life to go And the aftershocks really kind of hit our foundation in a way that I think it started, it wasn't, I can't say it was Australia or Charlie moving. It was, you know, these things existed in our relationship, but they kind of brought them out in bold relief of some of the challenges that we were having. And that began the process of us making a decision to end our marriage. Yeah. So let's move into that because that in and of itself is an extraordinary story. You know, just, just for context, one of my, as you know, very well, Deb, you know, one of my soapbox issues is that, you know, essentially we get to say how our divorces go. If we end our marriages, if, if we, if we create our divorces with the emotional turmoil and trauma front and center, we're going to make some, probably not the greatest decisions in the world, right? Probably not the healthiest decisions in the world. But if we're able to separate our emotions from the logistics of how we're going to do this and see the, more, the bigger picture and the more holistic picture of what we're creating, we are literally able to create anything. There's really the sky's the limit on what you're able to create. When we finally decided that we were going to split, we had had issues that sort of showed up several times in our marriage and we had worked really hard to find compromises. And in the end, I think that we both felt like we had compromised as much as we could possibly compromise. And 
we weren't even in the same arena. We had compromised so much and neither of us were particularly happy with the compromises that we had made. But, you know, we weren't, we weren't even on the same, you know, playing field. And we tried, we tried absolutely everything. I mean, we, it was not lack of affection. It was not lack of, of caring for one another that ended our marriage. It was just really looking and saying, wait a minute, we're, we're not going to be happy. We're going to be, you know, this is going to suck. It's unworkable, right? And often it is. It's just simply unworkable. unworkable. Yeah. So we made sure, I think that early on, because we knew that we weren't ending our marriage because of lack of affection and caring and and love, really, you know, it wasn't that, that we were ending our marriage. So we we made a decision early on. I mean, we talked about it because we knew it was going to get challenging because building a life and all of a sudden you're saying, okay, that road is no longer the road I'm on and that's not the road you're on and we're going on separate roads and this is going to start, like that's going to start to bump up against each other and that's going to hurt. Yeah. We just said, we want to make sure the dream is that we don't have to throw everything that's great about this relationship away. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would like to try to keep some of what's good about us And we didn't know how it was going to be. We didn't know how to do it. We were kind of making it up as we went along, but we just kept that as a goal. So how did you navigate that? How did you, how did you make those decisions and what decisions were there and how was Charlie a part of all of that? We went to um, a mediator. That was the first thing we decided is we were not going to get adversarial. We were not going to do the lawyer against lawyer thing. Yeah. Um, That didn't mean that, mediation wasn't challenging, but we kept, you know, we kept putting that thing at the forefront every time. And, and in the beginning, after we'd go to mediation, the first, I think the first two times we had mediation, we were like, we have to make sure that we go out for a meal afterwards. We're going to have a meal afterwards. So we Mm -hmm. know that we're going to have a meal afterwards. So like, let's just get that stuff off. So we decided after a while that we we weren't going to do that because it was, it did get a little, like yeah. it was tense. It was tense. And then to sort of force ourselves to go out for a meal afterwards was like, no, we need to kind of shake kind of, Yeah. You needed yeah. to like shake it off, not like right. not force like, ourselves to go deeper not into to shake it. it off together. Right? right. Exactly. Yes. Good. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? That is the thing about, about divorce, about marriage, right? It's, you have intentions, you go into it. It doesn't feel right. You change course. Like that's just how it all works. Right. And you yeah. have to be self-aware enough to notice you know what? This isn't feeling right. Let's yeah. change, change. Right. Direction. You know, we course corrected, but we kept, I think the thing that made it work was that we kept that front and center, mm-hmm. yes. you know, what we wanted and we didn't yes. want it to impact Charlie. I think because his, he lived with his mom mm-hmm. and he lived with his stepdad and that home was, was the main home. We were sort of, we were the part-time parents his mom and stepdad did a great job. And so he felt safe. And when we told him, he was kind of like, Oh, okay. How old was he at this point? 11. Mm-hmm. And because and, you did it lovingly and thoughtfully and intentionally, it didn't have the, he knew that we were still going to be, you know, we were going to still try to do stuff together. And for a while we would even, because we had been going down and spending weekends in DC and for a while we continued to go down together to spend weekends with him. But after a while, that even started to feel funny. And, and he started to, you know, it's a typical man. Um, 
I love him. And, and, it took him <laughs> and he went out and started seeing someone right away. And I think she was uncomfortable with the fact that he was continuing to travel he, with his ex-wife. Soon to be ex-wife. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, totally, I mean, I totally got it. I totally got totally, it. Totally. So, yeah. So I started to just make arrangements to go down to see Charlie myself and his mom and stepdad were cool with that. And as a matter of fact, I think they started to see the benefit of it because they would say they wanted to do a long weekend, little holiday, go away or something like Mm -hmm. that. And they actually called me and said, could you come down? You know, you can stay at our place and just, you know, we're going to go away. And, and I stayed at their house and took Charlie to football and took him to his friend's party. I love it. Right. Like, you know what I always say about step, parents, stepmoms in particular, you know, I, I remember a long time ago having someone email me or as a question and saying, it was probably like five years ago and saying, my husband's new wife has bought my son all these toys for his birthday. And she was really upset about it. She was really upset. And I said, you know, the, the thing is, is that the more, the more people to love your kid, the better. And embracing that relationship and moving through, putting aside, like, yes, it's uncomfortable. Like, yes, the, let me tell you, it hurts my soul when my son will say to me, like, that he likes the way his stepmom makes pesto better than me. Or when he calls me by her name, which is like, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I carried you in my womb. <laughs> like, That's right. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I draw the line. At the, at the end of the day, putting our shit aside in service of our children and in service of like, how many more people can we get on this team to love and support and care for this kid? Like, how awesome. Right. You know, and it's not always easy. It doesn't mean that we always feel good about it. There's a lot of complex feelings. I think it probably took her a while to feel a little more comfortable. I don't don't, don't know what she felt. You know, I think the negative feelings took a while to dissipate, whatever those were. Totally. Um, And, and I, you know, I get it. (laughs) I get it. So I tried to be as understanding as possible. But I do think that she eventually, I think we all kind of eventually realized, like, he's got such a huge team of people who adore him and will do whatever it takes to support him. Yep. You know, it wound up being a good thing. I think she, you know, I think she wound up liking that, like, Oh good, we're going to go away. And, and, and David can't watch him. Let's call Deb. Right. Yeah. It works. Right. And this is the, this is the sort of the things that I always talk about, you know, my, as, as hard as it is sometimes to maintain and an amicable relationship with any of our exes, right? It's, it can be really difficult and challenging sometimes for a variety of reasons, but the, the collaborative effort that goes on forever, it's really worth investing in, if possible. It's not always possible. But when it's possible, when it's literally just a matter of like, ow, it hurts, and this is really uncomfortable, and basically I want to shut the door and scream and like never, ha- it's like, the number of times that I have wanted to completely cut my ex out of my life and never have anything to do with him ever again, like, you know, it happens. Let me tell you, it still happens. And just from a logistical standpoint, if he needs me to show up or to do something for my son, I'll do it. You know, when I have had to travel for work and it's on quote, my days with, with our son, he'll switch with me. He'll take it, you know, and it's important to have that collaborative effort for things like, you know, I'm going out of town for a long weekend. Do you mind? 
You know, my ex and his wife went through a particularly, we all did as a family, went through a particularly difficult time this past summer. I looked at them and I was like, you guys need to go away. You guys need to go away. And, and they looked at me and they said, can we? And I was like, yep. And I took our son for an extra week because they needed it. They were not going to be, they needed to reset themselves. They weren't going to, they were going to lose their sanity. Yeah. You know, that, that's a little idealistic in some circumstances, but you know, for, for Charlie's mom to be able to call you and be like, Hey, (laughs) you know, as a branch of this family tree and this team, you know, it's all, all in service of our children. It's all in service of the children. On the upside of being a part-time parent, and certainly, you know, for, for me, it was very part-time, and then it yes. became even more part-time, like, yeah. like super part-time. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I would be, I mean, my ex and I talked about having kids, but the idea of it, I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I never birthed one of my own. I loved having the time, but I also selfishly loved having being able to say okay now now no now i'm you know now it's yes, now i go now to now it's time. Around and go to the, the this or the that and yeah i'm glad that we were able to provide that kind of support mm-hmm. um you know i i would have been happy to have more of him yeah. you know when he was younger um but that's not kind of how it, how it worked out but that's between david and his ex-wife and i was sure. you know just kind You're of like I was, right. for the ride. I was along for the ride yeah So I want to fast forward because here's what's extraordinary, right? Like you and David are still great friends. So, so remember, so you guys split up when Charlie was 11. Yeah. Charlie's now 30. Yeah. (laughs) And what happened last year? Charlie got married and, um, and I got to go to the wedding. Um, It was not a typical wedding. It was, we're having a few of our friends and we're going to be at a barbecue place and we're sitting on the picnic in the back and I was already planning to go visit him he and his his wife-to-be were living in Wyoming so I was already planning to go out there for a visit and I got a call from him and he said you know and I'm I'm um I am ordained to do marriages and he called to ask me if I would they said you know when when you're out here we're thinking we might do it would you do the wedding which of course like made my day. Now it didn't, it didn't work out. There were a variety of reasons why that, that didn't actually happen, but I got to be there and it was amazing because um, I was the only parental person there. And that wasn't, that wasn't like we, we pick you. It wasn't that it was just, they wanted to do very small. I happened to be going out there and they were like, let's do it while Deb's here, you know? So I mean, I was completely like, that was just the, the best yeah, thing yeah. ever, you know. I remember the day that you got that call because you called us crying. You were like, ah, you yeah. were so excited. Yeah, that was, um, that was just, um, I imagine he knew what that meant to me, but I don't know that he really fully got what that meant to me. That really was, was something else. Um, well, you know, here's the thing. I think what it, I think it, it's not that he, I would guess that it's not necessarily what, that he knows what it meant to you, but because he probably couldn't, but it's, but just what it means to you to have been that call that, that, that you as the stepmother have meant so much to him that, that he wanted you to be a part of that. Like, well, I think, 
you know, it's, I, I can't know what was going on in his head, but I think that they were planning on doing it and they knew I was coming and now they're like, Hey, she does this. Let's get, you know, so it yeah. just all worked out and it was just so sweet. And again, it, it didn't actually wind up being the way it, it played out, but um, it was just so touching and meant so much to me. And, you know, there were times in my life where I wasn't as, you know, during the years when he was, you know, older. Um, I mean, in, in high school, we were still, but there was a period when he was in college where we weren't in touch as much. I mean, we were still in touch, but not quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's different, I think, for boys that they're not as communicative sometimes. Yeah, I know. I see that face, honey. But, but, you know, <laughs> who knows? Everybody's different. So I'm making Oh, no, my point. kid is that. That's going to be my kid. I, he's already, you know. But, but um, I never stopped. You know, I kept the calls. I would make the call. I would send the note. I would send the email. And his dad here again to the divorce piece, this isn't really about my relationship with my stepson. It's really about the divorce. This is because David made sure David saw him more. David would, when they would get together, he would make sure they called me. He would um, send Charlie emails and say, it's Deb's birthday. Don't forget. Hmm. Um, Yeah. or, yeah. or, you know, like all sorts of things like that. David made sure. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just that I continued the relationship. David made it a priority. I love that. I that love I that. You know, to have a relationship with him. Um, yeah. And I really think, I mean, it took a while. We had about, I want to say, after the first couple of months when we first started to go to um, mediation, and it started to feel challenging and icky and... Um, there were times during that period where I'd think, God, did we really do everything? Like, this really sucks. This really hurts. Mm-hmm. Lucky for me, as you know, I am a, I am a writer and a, and a journaler. And, and I do could- Do you journal, Deb? I didn't know. <laughs> but I could look back in my journals and say, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. We tried everything. We tried everything. <laughs> this was not, this was like, not no, 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 no. We're not going to, you know. So yeah. when it got hard, I had a, a place to look. But then it got to a point, I think, after several months where I said, you know what, I just, I, I can't for a while have continued conversations because I need to have a little bit of a psychic break. Sure. I can't. I can't shift to friendship that fast. Yes. Um, Cause yes. there's still like that, that break of the dream, you know, the dream life is now gone and I'm having to like create my own life. And I, I don't want to be discussing all of the ways that we're creating our new lives together yet. So it right. took us a little while. I, I want to say it was probably a year after that, maybe that we were you know, touching base here and there. And he was making sure Charlie was keeping in touch and, you know, we would talk about Charlie things, but um, it just sort of naturally happened because it was so important to us. And we started to make that effort of like yeah. just checking in now and then. And, and the, the great thing is that, you know, when Charlie graduated from high school, David's family, David's ex-wife's family, we all met down in D.C., and there was this big party and it was just this, as I say, it's the blended extended upended family. Like we are it, you know, we're the poster kids yep. because we've managed to do it. And Charlie wound up in the Marines. And when he had his, you know, basically for lack of a better word, the graduation from his training, 
we were there. His ex-wife, the the stepfather, David and me, just all there. And and at the and David's girlfriend at the time. Um, and that was just delicious. You know, this whole big melting pot of people who just absolutely adore this kid and just keep showing up for him. So nowadays, you know, I'm married again and my husband is the coolest in the world. I, I dated a man at one point who, when we split up said, you know, I'm not going to be your friend like you are with David. Like that's not going to happen. He did not like that David and I were friends. And he said, we're not going to stay friends. Like that's not going to happen. And he was right. Um, (laughs) Well, that that was his choice. That was his choice. Goodbye. Um, Yeah. yeah, Goodbye. But, but I think that some people are not comfortable with the fact that David and I are still friends. And there are boundaries, right? As, as you know, in one of my, my previous relationships, the, the connection with my, my ex and his wife was, I felt it was a little too close, right? I think that there are, and there are times when I have been too close to my ex and his current wife. And these, we don't, there's no playbook, right? We go in and we're like, we have intentions and then it gets this way, right? And then you have to feel it out, right? Because on the one hand, you want to make room for the new person, right? You want your husband now, um, we want, you want him to feel like he's primary, right? I I call this the shifting of primary and um, that, that there is a shifting of primary, right? When, when you have had your entire life dedicated for 10 solid years to partnership with one person and you've created a life you know, or, or supported a life or whatever it is. Right. But even if you haven't, and you've just been married for 10 years, and then you want to maintain that relationship when you bring someone new into it, it has to shift. And it's, Oh, absolutely. And it's really painful for everybody. Right. It's like, it's, it's like, it's a whole other layer of separation. Cause when you, for myself, I'll speak for myself. And I think that you probably experienced similar thing with David is that with my ex, like we were like, we were best friends. We were going to do this right. We, our marriage was shit, but we were going to get this divorce. We're going to nail this divorce shit. It was going to be, you know, solid. And we were super close. And then I think after a while, like we started dating other people and the other people were like, um, so (laughs) that's great and all, but like, where do I fit in? and And then we had to separate further and that was really painful and it continues over and over again. And I think my ex's wife was really clear about her boundaries about that with him and with me. And it was a shock to my system. Mm. This other layer, you know, about five or six or seven years into our divorce, this other layer of separation when he really shifted his primary mm. attention and focus over to his wife, that she, she fully became his person. And like, he didn't even text me our, our inside jokes anymore. Oh. <laughs> you know, and I was like, uh, but and that was right. It was it was completely right. All that to say, like there are different avenues and layers and levels to where where we stay close, where we separate. Where yeah. my husband now is totally okay. What he says is, you know, you cared about this person. Mm-hmm. You've found a way yep. to still have a relationship and be a friend to this person. Why would I think that's a bad thing? Right. Because he knows and trusts my boundaries that I have, you know, boundaries and that I'm not. And I always say, you know, been there, done that, you know, left it. 
Right. So right, right. You don't get you don't get divorced and then think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe it's I like, should still, you know, no. If you no. go through that, if you go it, through a divorce, like I think it's pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, I'm just well, not everybody. I mean, I you know, you've right. you've heard right. there's Miss Taylor, yeah. right? <laughs> but um, and oh, some yeah. people have done that, right? They've married the person they divorced. I am so grateful because you know there was a, a period of time when. David and neither the two of us, we were, neither of us were seeing anyone. And at one point, I can't remember what it was. He was living down in DC and I was living, you know, in New Jersey and we were just talking. We both were just, I can't remember. We hadn't seen each other in ages. We were like, let's go to a movie. What? And we decided to meet halfway. We drove halfway and we went and we had, we went to see just for DC and Jersey. <laughs> two hour drive, like not horrible. Yeah. Two hour drive. That was, I think we only did that once, but that was just, that was good, yeah. good fun. And, um, but, but we do like each other and we have seen each other on occasion just in, in varying. Like I remember I went to a wedding that was in Boston and at the time he was living in New Hampshire and he had Charlie with him. And so I came up and I spent, you know, a day or something like that. And, you know, so like all those kind of things, they happen. Um, and we hadn't seen each other in ages and ages. And we started to talk about, wouldn't it be fun? And Asher was like, I'd love to see him. We had, Asher and I had done a trip and we stopped in DC and we had dinner with David and his girlfriend. And David's girlfriend has a bit of a challenge with me. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and David does his best to try to, you know, make that okay. But at some point, you know, I think that she would just rather I didn't exist at all. And right. he's kind of said, well, that's not going to happen. So, right. And um, yeah, his loyalty does, you know, it's, it's Oh yeah, absolutely. This, yeah, but, right. but he has basically said, you know, this is a, a, an important friendship in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've been friends longer than we were in a relationship. Yes. We're better friends than we were yep. in that. So, you know, get Sorry. on the plane or, you know, yeah. Right. Here's where Good. We go. so yeah. I think she's doing her best. I think it's hard for her, but at any rate, David came up and spent a weekend here in my house. Yeah. With Asher, and with you and Asher. In our, in our, yeah, in our guest room. And Asher, yeah. we just like hung out, you know? Right. <laughs> like, that's great. I like, love this. I love it. Cool. You know, it's. And now you and David are grandparents. We, we are grandparents, yeah. I, love yeah. This story I know, so I know. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a stepmother and I was never the full out, but I'm so grateful because Charlie's wife um, makes every effort as Charlie does too. I mean, Charlie, we FaceTime, he sends me, you know, I still feel like a grandparent ish, you know, I'm not full out, but I do feel like you're included in all the grandparenty things. They make you the mug. You got a mug. I got the the grandma mug. I got the, and you know, I get emails, grandma Deb. That's so great. It's so strange. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is, this is, I love, I love your story and I wanted you to come on and talk about it because it is the long-term it like it is the full arc right from from and I love you know we always love and we will always say you know the blended extended upended family right I mean it and it really is it's just the best Deb is the best wordsmith she comes up with (laughs) amazing phrases and, and words but I love the fact that you cover the arc from you know being a young stepmother sort of thrown in the deep end with this experience to now being 
a grandma and yeah. having this family, this, this crazy <laughs> blended yes. extended upended family really work, yeah. really work. Everybody had to be okay. You know, David's first ex had to be okay. The, his Charlie's stepdad had to be okay. All of these moving parts somehow or another had to kind of sign on. I wasn't sure whether I was going to get to still be stepmom officially, you know, cause I, I continued to see him and I knew people, I had, I had friends who would say to me, Oh, it's so great that you're still seeing Charlie and you're still in touch with Charlie. How wonderful is that? And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This kid was in my life from the time that he was one. One year old. You're his, like, you're his this stepmom. Is, you don't this just is, stop being stepmom. Right. You don't just stop loving a child, right? Who you've diapered and who you, you know, did all these, you know, and played and wrestled and did all these fun things. You just, this doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess it does to some, but I, ha- I had to have people who were on board to let me continue to do that. But at one time I remember, this was, this was one of the times when, when uh, Charlie's mom was away for a weekend and I um, had dropped Charlie off at a party with friends and I came to pick him up and I got to the door and I guess Charlie's friend was there and he said, Oh, this is my stepmom," And, you know, picking me up, you know, I said my stepmom, and introduced him to his friend and we got in the car and I said, you know, that, Thanks. I said, I wasn't sure. Like, you still call me stepmom? And my favorite, he said, well, you know, President Clinton isn't the president anymore, but we still call him President Clinton. (laughs) 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 This is like a little kid. He was like 12 or something like that. It was like, that's so the best. Beautiful. It was so the best. He would kill me that I told that story, but I'm not going to let him know that I'm on this podcast. Sorry, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to know. I'm not going to let him know. Forget it. (laughs) I love that. I love that. that. Everybody had to be on board, right? Yeah. Everybody had to be yeah. on board in yeah. some way. So I know that David and I set the stage and mm-hmm. we worked hard, but we had everybody else who was willing to play. And so. everybody worked hard to get there. I think, right? It's not like this magical thing where everybody was on board and everybody was happy and everybody was on, the, you know, right. it's like, no, everyone had to work hard yeah. to be okay and do their right. own work. Have that, have that vision in mind that Charlie was number one. And between David and me, that the relationship, that the the caring and affection that we had for each other could potentially have another form. And mm-hmm. we wanted that to happen. And yeah. we hoped that it would happen. And so that's that's the energy that we gave it. And so we lucked out. I mean, we really lucked out. I yeah. you know. Well, you also worked hard. You were intentional. Yes. And you worked hard. So it's, I don't know about luck, but I mean, well, I think the, that he wasn't a malignant narcissist and that he wasn't, you know, sure. Okay. Well, I'm talking about, I'm talking about that, that every, that everything that surrounded it also supported that, that right. we could, that we could do that. And, um, you know, it's Charlie's a great kid, you know, he's, like a, a, he's a pretty great well, he kid. Had a, he had a great whole big Blended, extended up, extended ended, up ended supporting, <laughs> supporting his growth to be a great, a great, yeah. now a great man and a dad. And a great daddy. Yeah. yeah it's well, dad, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing your story. And do you want to give a little pitch about your, what you do and how you do it? And I teach women to use uh, expressive writing. Some people will call it journaling. 
um, you say tomato, I say tomato, you know, it's a process to get to know yourself better, to really fully understand yourself, to dig deep. And to me, it's, it's not entirely self-coaching, but it's, it's a great uh, supporter to help you really um, look at your life and create the kind of life that you want um, just through your own exploration. Yeah. Great. And, um, and yeah, so I have a little, a little something for your people that it'll be, uh, it'll be in the show notes on my website. So look for that. And thank you, Deb. Oh, my pleasure. Oh God. My, my delight. I love that you're doing this because it's just so freaking important. Thank you, honey. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. You can find me over at kateanthony.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.